The Open Source Creative Podcast, Episode 46, Blender NPR, follow-up with Bong Kong and Miguel Pozo. And I hope I pronounced your names correctly, otherwise just just yell at me on, on social media, because you should. In any case, this is the Open Source Creative Podcast, a podcast where I ramble on about creativity process and open source software. I'm Jason Van Gumster, your host and driver on the road to creative freedom. This episode, we're following up on the previous one, as promised. I speak with guests Bong Hong and Miguel Pozo about Blender NPR and the Beer Renderer. Now they're, that they're creating with the development campaign. Um, there's some really good information here, and, and not just about what they're doing, but um, some good, de- good technical details uh, uh, about building a renderer. And the little bits I get into a rant on some things, but not by much. So we're good. In any case, rather than ramble on about the episode, how about we just go ahead and get right to it, yeah? Oh, we're going to toast marshmallows, are we? Could be. Hey folks, so we're going to try something a little bit different with this episode. So the last episode was a little bit different because it was the first with video in general and first with an interview. This one is still full of firsts, so it is still in video and we're still doing an interview, but because of internet connection wonkiness and, and time zones and other other craziness like that, um, this is sort of a uh, uh, separated interview podcast where I'm going to be asking questions and uh, separately the these are our follow-ups to the Blender NPR uh, episode so uh, I'm going to ask a couple questions and those questions will the answers to those questions are recorded separately and then so for you as the person listening or watching it should feel pretty seamless I'll have a question they'll have an answer and we're going to go back and forth that way and uh, it's not going to be as conversational but hopefully we'll be able to have um, at least get the information out there and be able to try it again we're, we're experimenting we're experimenting we're trying things out because you know no one's told me it doesn't work yet so <laughs> we're going to go with that in any case this is a follow-up interview, um, follow-up from, from the uh, Blender NPR and Beer Development Campaign interview I did in the last episode with Lee Posey. This one, uh, we're going to get a little bit more feedback and clarity from Bong, the brains of the operation, and Miguel Pozo, who is doing the development of malt and ultimately beer as well. So uh, if you haven't gotten yourself up to speed with that, I would encourage you to go back and check out episode 45, and then this episode will bring you up to speed. In any case, uh, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to have our esteemed guests introduce themselves. Hey, I'm Bong. My real name is Bong Wikong. My online nick is uh, LightBWK, and I'm, I'm currently on the Borneo Island. In a city with a cat named Kuching, which is uh, the, the Malaysia part of the Borneo Island. Uh, so, hi, I'm an artist and developer from Madrid, Spain. Uh, I've been a Blender user since the 2.4 days. Uh, and I have a special interest in stylized rendering and game development. I developed some, well, I developed quite a few add-ons and I released some of them and I've also made some, some patches, some Blender patches. Cool. And so the next question is going to be, Lee gave us the definition of NPR, but just to refresh our memories, what is NPR? NPR stands for non-photoreal or if you want to say non-photoreal rendering that is NPRR uh, or, or also stands for non-photoreal renderer uh, there are lots of things uh, in NPR but mainly it's uh, anything that don't look like photo or don't emulate photo 
if you want to properly define NPR, it's like imagine the infinite size image and every pixel on that uh, image is a style of rendering then one pixel on that image is photorealistic that uh, just one pixel alone is photoreal and then the rest of the area of the infinite size uh, image that, that part is uh, NPR and to make things more complicated we have uh, a photo of an NPR artwork is actually uh, photoreal the artwork itself is NPR so there's some distinction over that so I leave this morally for, for one but really anything that doesn't mimic how a camera works or how life physics works it, it falls in, inside the, the NPR all right. So the next question. This goes for 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 both of both of you. Um, what exactly do you do for BNPR or Blender NPR, the community and as an organization? And also, is it is it an organization in like the legal sense? Is there like a foundation that's associated with this, or is it just sort of a community driven thing? Blender NPR start from a grassroots movement, mainly because we don't have a place to actually discuss stylized rendering uh, and Lee and I have discussed of forming a, a legal non-profit for Blender NPR but that is still in the works it still depends on a lot of things my task uh, at uh, Blender NPR is actually mainly create the content and then also planning and failing to plan uh, the going-ons of BNPR uh, as a whole. Uh, so write script and do research for the BNPR show. And most of the time I nag Lee about the website thing because the backend he totally, totally control all, the, all of the backend. For this uh, beer development campaign, I'm the campaign designer and the communicator and I'm also the mastermind behind the beer design. Uh, so again, this is Molly for Wong. I joined the BNPR community recently. I've been watching the YouTube show since the beginning and I love it. But aside from that, uh, I started talking with Bond through Twitter like in early May or maybe end of April. And I'm developing uh, for four weeks already uh, the backend for, for Beer, which is a, an NPR renderer. Uh, funded by the Blender NPR community. One of the things I think you wanted to talk about um, spawning from the last, ep last episode is Lee and I had a lot of conversation about the fact that NPR doesn't get as much recognition as other components in computer graphics. I mean, like, to use the example from the last episode, no one points out something and says, oh, look at how wonderfully NPR that is. It, it's kind of, that's not happened. So do you, do you have thoughts on that? Uh, for those who are not tech savvy, it's very hard for them to spot NPR elements uh, like the quality of line arts, the quality of vertex normal and the color use. These three things, the line art, vertex, color, vertex normal control and the colors, they are very, they stick out in all NPR works. Whether you are doing more 2D or 3D, it will still stay stick out. For line art, we have enough time uh, with the freestyle level up course. I pretty much wrote everything in there, uh, all the lamb jokes. And, and in that course, we truly define what type of line we want and uh, where we want the type of line. 
and what sort of quality you get from the line is it you want it organic or you want it inorganic and for vertex normal uh, we have been working with uh, Cody Winchester to create abnormal add-on that helps a bit with uh, with uh, refining shading so you have three parts in shading you have the light you have the mesh then you have the uh, vertex uh, vertex normal which means that you can fool one part of it you don't control the the light you fool one part of the uh, equation to for for leading the mesh to get proper lighting so it's mainly to control the silhouette of the shading the inner silhouette i mean then for the color i've written a book soul stirring jitter color mastery that deals with uh, how color works and how you want colors to work for you so you don't work against the color uh, mainly because color behave in a certain behavior so you just you uh, you tap in the ability of color what it is how it works to create the, the, the point of artwork so these trees are the treat the, the elements of NPR. Uh, in Photoreal you don't have control in a lot of these things. You cannot really define what color at that one spot of the image. In NPR you have the full control. If you want that thing to be that, that pinkish magenta that looks like the texture is not there, you actually can do that. And then also plan to plan to make a documentary about uh, about this NPR element so that people will be able to recognize them. Uh, the other day I chat with Miguel about uh, successful NPR out there. People can see it, but people don't really recognize it because of set problem. Uh. So it's the element of NPR that people cannot recognize. But they are very successful uh, intellectual properties out there. Let me list a few. Uh, first is FEZ, F-E-Z, where the, the character will change from 2D to 3D and stick to the wall. Uh, depends on the... it's a 2D, 3D puzzle. So it's 2D, it's 3D, 3D is also 2D. And the next thing is uh, the game GNOG is a puzzler with very vivid color and it's very NPR. Uh, the next game, I pretty much release all the games here, is Hope, H-O-B. Uh, it has soft color, it has that PVR look to it. And then the next very successful IP is the the game inside uh, in a GDC talk uh, they mentioned a lot about how they make the style to fit the performance of the game and a lot of uh, their, their, their technical parts are exposed in that video even the codes and one thing that is very popular right now is uh, Tetris Effect it has line art, it has special effect, and everything scream NPR in it. So NPR is really, really successful. And, and something that is not so abstract but more to real world is the Civilization VI game. Even though it is a game from 2016, because it has NPR in it, it, is, it looks ageless. So it has that quality of uh, timelessness. And the next game is a short hike. The f everything in that game is uh, made in Blender. It's pixel art in 3D. And it's uh, just a wonderful game. Just to chill. And then another game is totally shirtless. Just colors is uh, uh, the game Untitled Goose Untitled Goose Game actually okay if you see all of, of, of all of these uh, 
things uh, NPR is it makes them look unique and then it, they are very easy to identify because of their unique style and because they use NPR uh, they have that uh, longevity uh, yeah I'm I'm not really concerned about the the public view of, of it so like people usually it's not like oh is PPR is amazing no as a public even even as a creative you wish people wouldn't wouldn't care about that uh, maybe people is like oh look at look like a drawing or like anime or or you know the the new Zelda looks like a, a Ghibli movie but yet I don't think it's important that that your audience know what NPR is or well maybe yes but it's not that important I'm mostly concerned about the the technical and and the industry point of view because there's not a lot but quite a few research going in in the NPR area but most of it doesn't really make its way into production software look like 3D software companies doesn't seem to have any interest in it while it's obviously quite successful won't uh, uh, name a few but you know from uh, you have the the, the last Zelda, uh, you have Fortnite, uh, Borderlands, uh, the the last Spider-Man movie. Uh, there are a lot of examples of, of of widely successful IPs that use NPR, but from the industry, there's little to no support. And sort of. Following up with that, um, Blender has a lot of NPR capability, right? You can do a lot of non-photorealistic work in Blender. And I'm not talking about non-photorealistic as in unskilled. I'm talking about work that is purposely made not to be photoreal. Um, but what is it that Blender is missing for an NPR artist, right? There's, there's a lot that Blender can already do. You do it with your node networks. You can do it with um, those sorts of things. And... I could be done with EV and cycles, and I mean, we could have done it with the old Blender internal and Blender, the Blender 2.7 series. So what specifically is missing from the tools within Blender? Is it just the interface thing, or is it something more fundamental in the renderer that's missing? Most people do not have that bandwidth uh, to process uh, nodes and their permutation. Uh, making starting with nodes extremely hard uh, if you are not technical-minded, uh, you will struggle with uh, a lot of this. But through the years, I've been asked about Toon Shader. And every time I have to point at the those uh, queries to 30 minutes video about how to use uh, uh, the Node Editor. Uh, frankly, what Bender has is... Uh, too technical for beginners. I have seen a lot of uh, people who struggle in this area and never get breakthrough because they cannot understand how not works and they do not have that com computer science kind of mind and it's uh, very discouraging. But on the bright side, the joy of uh, MPR is actually the speed of execution. The speed of turning ideas into reality so you get that instant reward from uh, all the works you do once you get that you get hooked to it we will seek it every day we have a uh, discord where the members are doing that every day they will tell you the same because that addiction of the instant result that is really the real benefit of a npr the ideal way to create NPR is like assembling a play. You get the actor, you get the actress, the 
props and you tell a story but in blender right now it's like you need to write a screenplay you are asking yourself what type of wood you want to use to make paper and that is really really slow so you you start from extreme atomic level to create something that is assembled thing to something that is usable uh, beer beer start with a common package of npr feature so you don't you can go very technical or you don't go very technical so that you have the choice once you're on so if you just use the feature or you just you go into the code and actually build a better feature that is what is beautiful with beer so i i don't really agree the the blender has great npr support like maybe you compare it to to other software maybe but just because the the bar is is like like really low uh so Jane yeah, cycles you have a tun shader that is also kind of weird and that, well, that, that's another question and and you have OSL OSL that yeah is helpful but it's like a tiny window where you can sneak in and, and do some things but yeah, the, there's not really too much support and in the case of EV uh, you don't even have the, the, the tune shader it's just a, a diffuse shader there's, there's no even tune shader support uh, you have the shader to RGB node that doesn't really do anything because in, in EV under the hood there's not really uh, closures uh, is is just is just a way to to tell the node system look like this that I'm this thing that I'm calling a closure uh, is actually an RGB or RGBA color so it's just that and and everything else is basically hacks uh, in various hood. Uh, the like path node, like path node, but there's not really too much support going on. So, well, there's grease pencil, but it's kind of it's something. So, you know, you don't have uh, integrated. You have freestyle, but integrated in the, into the renderer, you don't have any kinds of line rendering. Uh, you don't have like groups. Uh, you don't have any way to make custom shading models. Uh, shading models. Uh, what? Custom shading models. Sorry. Uh, you have post processing but you can work with it in, in the viewport so it's kind of I mean it's there but doesn't fit with the workflow when, when you are working Genome uh, yeah, no outlines no way to um, Sorry, uh, no way to to control how how a light works at what point. So yeah, there, there's very there's basically very little control of of how to modify the the, the render pipeline. So I I wouldn't say the NPR support for Blender is great. And I love Blender, of course, but <laughs> you know the truth is the truth. Okay, so getting technical. I don't know why I'm using my fingers like this, but I am. <laughs> getting technical. Uh, specific to beer, beer being the um, the Blender Extended Expressive Renderer, which is the, the NPR renderer that's being built for Blender. Um, 
I'm I'm curious about how it works and how things work under the hood because you know I'm a big proponent of the fact that if you're an artist you should still understand the technical aspects. I mean, if you're a painter, you need to know how a paintbrush and you need to know this you know basic chemistry about colors mixing, color theory, that sort of thing. So the fact that that people talk about non-technical art, I'm an artist, I'm not technical. I think that's 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 horseshit. Um, yes, you can curse in this, by the way. Uh, <laughs> um, but I, I think that's ridiculous. So I really, I think it's worth sharing that kind of technical thing. So beer as is is the renderer, but it has components built into it, right? There's the UI that's, that talks about blender integration. And then there's, um, Leah talked about malt. So if you could break down the different components, what's beer, what's malt, and what are the other components of the things being developed within the beer development campaign, that'd be really helpful. If you forget everything Miguel is going to explain next, just remember this. Malt is the processor. Blender Malt handles the logistic. Malt pipelines are the managers. Beer UI is the public face. So yeah, I, I, I totally agree with the part of at least being aware of what's going on under the hood because otherwise I mean it's the only way to, to understand certain things that are very important for to be able to, to do your work so one of the things we wanted from the beginning and it's one of the core goals of, of beer and, and malt, malt uh, is to make it very easy to approach and to enter in, in, in the technical world. So at the beginning you, you don't need to to get into it, but if you want, it should be easy. It, you should feel comfortable. So one of the main goals is being making it easy to stand and, uh, and also easy to, to share the, those extensions. So, Nobody should be gatekeeping what goes in, what goes out. Mm, everything should should be should be even if if it's not distributed mm, with the mind malt or or beer version, uh, you should be able to to distribute it distribute it uh, easily. And in fact, one of the things that I'd like to do in the future is a is a note to to GSL GLSL tutorial. GLSL is the the um, the programming language that Vira uh, Mold uses, and is is the 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 other programming language for for OpenGL because there's like a lot of effort put in, into kind of cheating and, and and make artists code without they notizing that, that that they are coding and <laughs> ridiculous and, and it's basically the same if, if you can write big note graphs you are basically basically programming so we are just wasting everybody time and so well uh, about beer itself, uh, well, um, beer itself is is basically the the design mostly for for bong, and aside from the technical needs of it, it's also it also has a, a very specific a specific workflow about how you layer the different features and so on so that should be probably better explained from from bong uh, but well we basically basically have a beer on top and that beer has a, a easy to use ui and then under under the hood uh, with a we have mold and mold is the backend but it's also kind of it's something uh, you can I mean you can use malt without beer even and in fact in in, in fact uh, um, right now there's 
there's only mode beer development ha hasn't started. It just have basic UI. Uh, but yet, uh, mold itself, maybe more like a backend, is more like like a render engine toolkit. So it's a yeah, like a framework to 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 easily build real time uh, real time render engines on on top, and it's written in in Python and and mostly OpenGL. Uh, it's meant to be distributed as a as a blender add-on, just like beer, but mold itself, and and we'll see if we can do it also with beer. Uh, but mold itself is doesn't depend directly on on blender. So we have obviously some part of, of the mold code. Uh, is is for for communication between Blender and Mold. We are calling that uh, Blender Mold, uh, and that just uh, basically load load all, all the needed data for rendering and and send that data to Mold. And in Mold, uh, you can write. Well, in fact, it's not that you can; it's that you have to write your, your own render pipeline. Uh, you receive all the data you need from, from Blender already loaded and in OpenGL. Uh, yeah, we are providing a, a big library so that writing that pipeline is as easy as possible. Um, but yeah, is basically basically you can do whatever you can do in OpenGL. You can you can do it in in mod. In fact, you have direct access to to mod. Uh, and yet yeah, it comes with or it will come uh, right now. It's just starting uh, with a big library of different uh, render techniques like I don't know. Uh, I mean, occlusion, blur, uh, um, outline, any kind of post-processing or, or render technique that, that you can think um, can go can in. And then we also have a shader library that I hope to make it not too dependent on, on MALT itself. So and so the cider library can be can be even used um, for other things like game engines and, and stuff like that because there's no really any general purpose cider um, library out there it basically these days you can translate GLCL GL to to all the other shading languages, so you can make that code work in, in DirectX, in Vulkan, in Metal. So yeah, there's no need to, to make it too much specific, because ideally, the more people come and help, better if you are not interested in, in mod, but you are interested in the Shader library, Okay, uh, if you are not interested in beer, but you are interested in mold. Mm. Uh, oh, <laughs> sorry, that that's okay too. Uh, I'll come back in, in a second. Sorry for for the cut. I'm, I'm back. So uh, yeah, basically, um, uh, in general, uh, you have beer. Beer is made to make. Uh, NPR work as, as easy uh, and pleasant as possible and, and also make it extensible. Beer uh, uh, works on top of, of mold. Mold tries to be a, a bit more, more generic and can be used on, on its own. Basically, you want a, a way to, to render custom OpenGL, not, not necessarily NPR. Uh, on Blender or maybe in the future 
uh, if we integrate more with, with other, other software, uh, it can be useful and those people is welcome because it's some, in fact, like, it, it basically, if, if it can be useful to you, then, then welcome. If you are a graphics programmer that you want something like Shader Toy but for 3D, you have it. If you are a game company that wants to have in the Blender viewport the exact same shader that, shader that, that you are using in, in your game, then you are welcome. If you are shooting a complex VFX shot and you need more advanced access to, to, to the render pylon or, or to shaders, again, then, then you are welcome. And then all that works on top of a shader library that tends to be as, as generic as possible, of course. At the beginning, uh, we are focusing on, on NPR, on NPR filters, but it can grow to support whatever. And so what, again, this sort of goes back to the earlier question. So Blender is already very capable with what it can do with EV and cycles and those sorts of things. So what, what does beer bring to the table, bring to the, bring to the table that the other engines are missing. I'm talking about just on the render side of things, not so much about user interface and, and those sort of things. I'm talking specifically what technical features does beer provide that isn't being provided by EV and cycles. I wrote a bit about this in the 17th uh, BNPR show, which is live right now on YouTube. Um, beer actually give you two freedoms. The first freedom is uh, uh, each layer is actually one NPR feature. So for example, you have half lumber shader as a feature, rim light as a feature, fire shader as a feature, and so on. Even if you have a really good fire, there will always be someone who will make different style of fire that cater for other users. So we can have actually and the fire one, fire two, and so on. So everybody is encouraged to to tinker with the code, uh, and and use the utility provided by mod. And the second freedom is actually the layer stack. You can arrange the layer anywhere you want. It's like it feels like you are actually in 3D for the first time. Uh, you have a 2D canvas. And the 2D canvas is pretty much endless. Well, so basically <laughs> anything. I mean, the, the the main advantage is that there's no fixed render pipeline, so and you can you can extend and share those, those extensions, so you are not limited to to what anybody decides to to distribute. Uh, we hope to to make it grow with the community. Uh, so, really, any any technique that you can you might want can go in. Uh, for the beginning, what we are planning, uh, better uh, NPR and and tune shading. Uh, like groups, uh, more control over how shadow works, uh, outlines in real time, pixel based. Uh, I don't know, I probably missing a lot of things. Uh, I can take a look. Uh, ah, I don't have a test here. Uh, yeah, basically, the main advantage is is that while everybody can stand it, uh, but yeah, on top of that, we want to provide the the basics built in.
And then sort of, I guess the next follow-up question that is going to be, so what about Grease Pencil, Freestyle, Landpair, those, and actually Landpair just recently got renamed um, in the Blender 2.9 series. I think it's called Line Art now in, in 2.9 when it gets into that. So it's got renamed to Line Art. So Landpair or Line Art. Um, what about those features? You don't want to, miss, you know, we were talking about this last episode. We don't want to throw out the, the baby with a bathwater on that. So what features, how, how, how do you anticipate users being able to take advantage of freestyle and grease pencil and lampier is it all going to happen through the compositor um is that or or is there some some other sort of interface and again talking about the interface you know and i'm wondering is this something that's bolted on top of the compositor or or is there going to be a whole other editor window in blender and again that goes this is going to be the next sort of question but i'll answer let's answer this one first uh, so yeah, about grease pencil and freestyle. Uh, freestyle works on top of whatever engine, render engine you are using. So yeah, it's, it's support by, by default. And with grease pencil, is is the same. Uh, I mean, it, it already works uh, because it's just part of, of the of the overlay system from Blender. So. Mm, yeah, it, it simply works. Uh, we we don't have to to do anything there. Uh, and since the plan for LAMPR or or however it's named now uh, is to to render through through responsive, so so it's the same. So so work fine together. Like just exactly like like it works with with TV or. Or cycles, or I imagine any external renderer you uh, use. Uh, the only downside is that we can we can't do our own grease pencil rendering with, which I wish I could do. Maybe in the future, but yeah, for now it's, it's just a, just have a, a great support that as a CV and cycles. So yeah, no, no need to worry uh, about that. All right, right. So the next, the next question then is with this goes to my question that that I that I had in the last episode is it's it's being is is beer built into Blender or is it, is it a Python add-on? I mean, are we talking about using C hooks into Blender or is this something that is, exists exact, uh, solely of Python working as glue to a separate render kind of more cycles like using a, a render API? The, the main reason for asking that is partially for performance reasons, but also are you going to have to maintain a separate fork of Blender entirely, right? That's That's really the question I have. And... It, because if you had to maintain a whole separate fork of Blender, then that's a whole separate tool, and that's not Blender itself, um, which means there's a lot of maintenance overhead and things like that. So I'm really, I'm really curious about how how this works with upstream, and is the plan to make that part of Blender proper and have it ship? With, is beer going to ship with Blender in the future, or is it going to be maintained as an external add-on? I'm really curious about how that works, and. Um, well, I'll let that get answered first for my next question. So yeah, uh, it's a Python add-on. You don't have to, to install anything external. Uh, it's a new render engine, just like you saw the TV or Cycles in in the in the same in the scene settings. Uh, right now, you select mode. In the future, you will select beer and. And yeah, one of the reasons we chose Python is because you have to use it in a way because there's no there's no other way to to write an another for for Blender because it doesn't need any compilation. Uh, so you distribute extensions of the same for GLSL. Uh, you distribute extension as as source code, so no need to compile for for different OS OS, uh, no need for uh, to compile for for Windows, for Mac and, and Linux. You just send a text file and, and it should work everywhere everywhere. Um, 
And yeah, in, in fact, one, one of the reasons I really wanted to do it that way is because I recently, I don't know if you all are aware of it, but I recently uh, developed an, an outline note for Cycles and Eevee. Uh, basically, kind of like freestyle and so on, but work from the from the material itself, and and in the case of EV is real time. And yeah, the work is there, and but I have to distribute a custom Blender build so keep people can use it. Uh, people can use it. Uh, I'm only distributing. Windows binaries, so if you are uh, know their operative system, you have to compile itself. Uh, it depends on the Mind Blender developers to include it or not. There are reasons that goes both in favor uh, and against it. So yeah, we we want to avoid that. Anybody can can stand and uh, can stand mold and beer. So the best way to to do it is is so everything is written in Python. The way you write an an extension is exactly the same way uh, we are writing the built-in stuff. Uh, so and Python is a is a language that basically any technical artist, um, any kind of programmer in the CG world knows is, is probably the, the most commonly used. Oh sorry, I, I forgot about distributing it with Blender or not. Uh, we'll see in the future, but it is not needed. As, as I said, um, it's a normal add-on. No need approval for from the Blender Foundation if 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 it comes with Blender better, of course, but it's it's not necessary. All right, and so the dovetail on this is how are we how are we handling the Python performance thing, right? So Python Python's a scripting language, right? It's 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 interpreted. It happens. Um, it's not a compiled language. And for anybody who doesn't understand what I mean by that, when it comes to programming languages. There are a bunch of different classifications, but two main classifications is you have scripted languages, which basically you can always see the source code to, and it, the the it's run by an interpreter, which basically goes line by line through the code to do something. So when you write a macro to do something, or you write a little script to do something, um, those are scripts, and you don't have to do that. You just use the interpreter, Python or Bash or um, Perl or whatever, to to interpret those lines of code on the fly, versus a compiled language like C or C++ or uh, any of those languages, where you write it and then you have what's called a, a compiler, which takes the code that you've written and compile it or translates it into something that's much more lower level that the CPU understands. That tends to be, because that's closer to the CPU, that also tends to be a higher performance uh, way of writing code. So code will perform better, things will take less time in a compiled language than a interpreted scripting language. That's gross general generalities. There are ways to speed up or slow down each of those for sure. So anybody here with a computer science degree, just shut up. <laughs> I'm giving the basics, damn it. Uh, in any case, the with Python being this, this connective tissue for the beer renderer, um, beer is described as an OpenGL and Python renderer. Um, what kind of, can we expect performance slowdowns? What kind of, how are we going to handle the inevitable situation where Python may be too slow for what somebody tries to do with a complex NPR scene? So, yeah, mm, Python performance is not as big as as an issue as, as one could imagine uh, in this case uh, because most of the work is is done on, on, on the OpenGL side on your GPU uh, so Python here is, is, is still basically blue code uh, there are two main parts where it 
can be a, a problem uh, one of them is, is loading large mes uh, large messages uh, when I say large and chain you know like like million polygons uh, right now it's not too optimized and now one or two million uh, mess takes I don't know I, I haven't benchmarked it but probably about one or two seconds so it's not that bad uh, in this case mm, in the near future uh, oh, uh, and by the way, until until thirty thousand, forty thousand uh, uh, triangles, uh, it's bas basically real time. So, uh, I mean, you can you can edit the mess while while watching the while in render view, and, and it's real time. Uh, so. It's not that bad. Uh, in the future, uh, we have two options. Uh, we can ship the add-on with a CDLL uh, that those that does the 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 more performant uh, needed parts and. Ideally, since we are using uh, OpenGL just, uh, just as, as the Blender viewport, uh, ideally uh, we could find a way to so that Blender expose the the, the BBOs, the, the the OpenGL data itself. So instead of loading ourselves we can just share the, the same data that, that Blender itself is, is using. That, that also would be better for, for performance because, because Blender itself uh, has more knowledge about what part of the mesh has, has been updated. So it, it only upload that, the change data to the GPU, no, not everything uh, as we have to do right now. Uh, and in fact, that's that's how testers work at the moment. So, so for example, for for test for for tours, uh, we don't have to to do anything. We just ask, ask Blender to to give us the the bind code for for OpenGL, uh, and that's it. So, so yeah, no no performance problem there. And the other part where it could be a problem is on, on very large stands, scenes. Uh, and, and by large, I mean by, by number of objects. Um, so if you have, I don't know, 10, 100, uh, 1 million, 2 million, 10 million uh, meshes, uh, the fact that you are drawing uh, uh, the fact that you are issuing uh, those draw calls from from Python doesn't doesn't really matter. It's it's, it's exactly the, the same performance. I I already made tests with with very very dense messages duplicated and it, it doesn't matter really where where you are calling OpenGL from. Uh, so when I mean large sense, I mean in in terms of, of number of objects even even if those objects are are small uh, still i mean we are talking about opengl here so i made a few tests with uh, with particles and i, I don't remember if, if i think it was 10000 particles uh, worth 10000 uh, cones uh, and it was 15 fps so I mean yes it's, it's not optimal but <laughs> we are talking still in, in, in terms of, of fps so <laughs> I mean it's not that bad really <laughs> it's, it's real time still 
if we reach a point where this kind of thing and by the way it's not it's not optimized uh, it's not optimized at all at the moment is so there are lot there are lots of, of room for for improvements but even even if if we reach a point where loading all those objects is it, a problem well I, again or we we either ship with 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 some C or C plus plus DLLs uh, that does the hard work, or maybe we can take a look at a Cyton that I I haven't used it personally yet, but it's, it's widely used in in the I think mainly in the in the scientific. Uh, Python community, which is basically a a Python to to see to see compiler. So the add-on itself could be mostly compiled to C, but you could still be able to to write extensions in 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 Python because honestly for 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 all the render techniques and stuff like like that, it doesn't matter. Like the the bottleneck is is the GPU drawing itself, not not the not issuing, uh, not making draw calls from from the GPU. And. That pretty much covers most of my questions. Um, really, the, the this last part is: did, is there anything that I missed? Is there anything that uh, any questions you, you think that that I, I should have asked and you have an answer for? Obviously, don't just tell me the question; actually, come up with the answer. <laughs> and and because I'm curious about that. Uh, actually, this is not technical. There are two batches of Blenfa already released for the fundraising. The third batch will be next week. And it has a blend file with a special feature that will require a certain uh, blender build. And that is a test of what beer will provide everyone. So it's a demo. Yeah, not really that. that the, the code is already available on, on GitHub, on the Blender NPR GitHub. And that it's obviously very early in the in the development but there's there's already enough to to play with it and write some shaders in, inside the of blender and last certainly not least but last please tell our audience where they can see see you track you down on the internet follow you do those sort of things we already know about the blendernpr.org website um, but uh, social media or other websites you want to share this is the time to share it you can reach me on Twitter at LightBWK, on Discord, like hashtag 4758, that is L-I-G-H-T-H-4758. Uh, on Facebook, you can search, uh, look for me with uh, the name LightBWK, and I don't really use much of Facebook, I only use the Messenger and mostly handling the groups. I don't use social media too much, but you can find updates and, and follow whatever I'm doing on, on Pragma57, 57 with numbers, on, on Twitter. And, and yeah, you can, you can follow Blender NPR on YouTube and on the Discord and whatever. And as you will find the, the, the updates on on Vira and more. So thank you, thank you, Jason, for the interview and for making the the podcast. See you. All right. Well, thank you so much. This is uh this is this is strange territory. So we'll uh strange in that I've never done an interview like this and I've never actually listened to an interview like this on any other podcast. So I'm really excited to see what what um. Well, one, how were the experiences like for for uh, recording this, and also what the experiences like for listening it, listening and listening it, listening to it? So, I'm going to uh, stop recording now, and now I'm recording again because I hit the stopped record, and now I'm recording. It doesn't matter. <laughs>
This is the end of the show is what I'm trying to get at. Big thank you to Bong and Miguel for agreeing to uh, appear on the show. I, I think we filled in quite a few of the blanks that uh, in questions from the previous episode. So I really appreciate you being here and having that conversation with me. I hopefully, um, I don't know, I, I, I enjoyed it. So hopefully other people do as well. But speaking of that, what do you think? How does interview format work out for you? It's a little different than the conversational type, so I'm really curious about what you think about that. And also, what's your favorite example of a non-photoreal rendering? That'd be a fun thing to share. Anyway, if you want to do that, let me know. Just send me an email at podcast at opensourcecreative.org. Of course, you can also track me down on social media. I'm Jason Van Gumster. Just track me down. I'm on pretty much every social media site there is. Just look for Monster Java Guns or OSS Creative. And then you can tell me what you think there. I also have an email newsletter. Signing up as easily as going to the contact page on the website. I'm pointing on the video, but... There's no video, nothing for me to point at. I'm just pointing because it's near the top of the web page. In any case, um, you go to the create the contact page on opensourcecreative.org and you can fill out the form there and you'll be on my mailing list. All right, that's enough of that. <laughs> it's time to get to work.